Welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. We pray that this may be a blessing to you, and God's Word would dwell richly within your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This blessed Christmas night, Christians around the world celebrate the incarnation and birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thus, the readings for both Christmas Eve and Christmas Midnight focus on the narratives of his birth in the Gospels of St. Matthew and St. Luke, respectively. In them, we are invited to come and behold this great thing which is taking place, this new work of God which he has wrought in the world for our benefit, for us and for our salvation. This wondrous work, this never-before-seen thing, a virgin conceiving, all to fulfill which was spoken of the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated is God with us. So let us behold let us see in what way this wonderful thing came about, that a virgin conceives and bears a son. After Mary, the mother of Jesus, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. That is, in all senses of the word, a miraculous conception. And it should not surprise us that this is so. For there have been miraculous births throughout the Old Testament. Sarah, the wife of Abraham, was 90 years old when the Lord told Abraham, I will bless Sarah and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations and kings of peoples shall come from her. Both Abraham and Sarah laughed when they heard this news because they thought that it was impossible. Yet the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For, the Lord, for Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time which God had spoken to him. The Lord also granted Hannah, the wife of Elkanah, who was barren, a son. He is Samuel, and he grows up to be a judge and prophet of Israel. And the last and greatest prophet, St. John the Baptist, was born to Elizabeth and Zacharias, of whom it was written, They had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. Yet these and all other miraculous conceptions and births in the Old Testament are different from this one. Those, while miraculous, were still brought about by natural means. These births all came to women who were barren and married. So this conception and birth, which we celebrate tonight, when Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, Mary was a virgin, betrothed but unmarried. This is not only miraculous but supernatural, so that the child in her womb is conceived of the Holy Spirit. While Isaac received his flesh and blood of Abraham and Sarah, Samuel of Elkanah and Hannah, John of Zacharias and Elizabeth, this child in Mary's womb received his flesh and blood from her alone. This is truly a miraculous and supernatural birth, something which had never happened in all of human history 
and will never happen again. It is unique in all time. All miraculous births in the Old Testament were brought about by God in order to point forward to this birth, which is like them, but surpasses all of them. For this is the sole virgin birth, the sole birth of the one conceived of the Holy Spirit. And the birth of this child, the Blessed Virgin Mary, is a cause for great joy and celebration. For this child is none other than the promised son of David. Behold, when the angel greeted Joseph, he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. The angel called him son of David to emphasize to Joseph the importance of what was happening. For Joseph, along with Mary, were both from families descended from King David. Now at this time in the history of God's people, the descendants of David had been brought low indeed. The last true king of Judah, descended from David, was taken into exile into Babylon, and governors were put in their place. Judah was passed along from empire to empire, from the Babylonians to the Persians, from the Persians to Alexander, from Alexander to the Seleucids. Eventually, the sons of Matthias, a Levitical priest, led by Judas Maccabeus, drove out the foreign rulers and set themselves up as kings. This dynasty, known as the Hasmoneans, would rule for over a century. But they were not descendants from David. They were Levites. Eventually, the Romans would put the Herodians on the throne. But they were not descended from David either. They weren't even descended from Israel, but rather from his brother Esau. Now at this time, the descendants of David were not kings. They were not ruling. Many were just simply everyday people, and some wondered if God would keep his promises to David. But by calling Joseph the son of David, the angel reminds him of his heritage, and more importantly, brings to mind all the prophecies which speak of the promised one who is to come from David's line, and who will sit on his throne. In saying this, the angel is announcing to him that this child is the promised one the promised son of David with a capital S. He is the one who will bring the gospel of salvation, which God promised before through his holy prophets in the scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, both through his birth according to the flesh, which he assumed from his blessed mother, as well as according to the law via his legal father, Joseph, Jesus is the son of David. All the prophecies which concern this one are fulfilled in him. In him, God is fulfilling his promises and proving himself faithful. The Lord said to David, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. And Isaiah said, In mercy, the throne will be established. The one will sit upon it in truth, in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking justice and hastening righteousness. And even later, the prophet Jeremiah said, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne in the house of Israel. Yes, David's throne will be established forever, not by successive kings who sit on it, but by one king who sits on it forever. And this one is the child in Mary's womb. 
this one, as Isaiah said, will sit in truth, judging and seeking justice and hastening righteousness. And he will sit in judgment on the nations, the Psalms say. He shall judge the world in righteousness, and he shall administer judgment for the peoples in uprightness. Yes, the judgment of the son of David is equated with God's judgment, for he judges with the authority and the command of God, for he is the son of God. In Psalm 110, which we used the beginning of earlier, it continues shortly after we left off saying, The Lord is at your right hand. He shall execute kings on the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the nations. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads of many countries. And this is presented as a thing of joy. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the nations with uprightly. But when we look at ourselves, and we honestly judge ourselves, this does not seem like a very joyful thing. It does not seem like something which would make us be glad and sing. When we look at ourselves, we don't often even measure up to the standards we set for ourselves, let alone the standards which God has set. And he judges without partiality. He judges righteously and with uprightness. And if we had to stand on our own before him on the day of judgment, we would surely be among the dead bodies filling the nations for our sins against him and against one another. But we're not on our own in this. He is coming for judgment, and it's not something to fear. But as our collect of the day says, it is something that we may behold with sure confidence. And how can we have such a sure confidence? Hear what the angel said to Joseph. She will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What a sweet and glorious message this is. What a beautiful news that his name will be Jesus. His name tells us much about him. It tells us who he is and what he does. He is Jesus. He is the Lord's salvation, for that is what Jesus means. First, it points us to the amazing and humbling truth that he is the Lord God, having taken on flesh. He is the Son of God, made man in order to bring us salvation. And as we confess simply but wonderfully in the Nicene Creed about him, for us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven. Yes, in his conception through the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, he took on flesh. He assumed a human nature into his person. This child who was in Mary's womb was not only man, but he was God. This is why she is rightly called the mother of God. For her child, beginning from his conception, has been both God and man. Yes, she carried in her womb the one who made her. She nursed the one who fed her day by day. She cared for the one who cares for her and for all people. For he is the Son of God, he is the Lord. As St. Paul wrote in Romans, Jesus the Christ is declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness. And he is the Lord come for a purpose, to save his people from their sins. That is why he came. Yes, he is the Son of David according to the flesh, and he will come again to judge the peoples with equity. But first he came to save his people, to take away their sins, to free them from the bondage of sin from the tyranny of the devil and from the shadow of death which lay upon them. 
Yes, he has taken upon our flesh, assumed a human nature, so that he might live a life which perfectly fulfills the law. This we call his active righteousness. But he has also become man, so that he may suffer and die upon the cross, so that the sins of the world upon him may be made atonement for. By his suffering, the just penalty due them, by his infinite worth in his passion and death. This we call his passive righteousness. And this redemption, which he has won for us by his life of obedience and his innocent sufferings and death, is received by faith. By faith we become his people, which he came to save. For according to God's grace, his undeserved kindness and favor, he credits the righteousness of Jesus to those who trust in him. St. Paul wrote, Through him we received grace and apostleship for the obedience to faith among all the nations for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ our Lord. By faith you are the called of Jesus Christ, that is, those whom he has called to be his people. For by faith we are united to Christ. In faith we put on Christ, so that he takes away all of our sins before God and imputes to us his righteousness. This is why he came to earth. This is why he was born, so that he, Jesus, the Lord's salvation, may save us from our sins. May the most holy trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, everyone God, who is worthy of all honor and worship and praise, grant that Jesus, the Lord's salvation, may be Jesus for you, so that receiving him in faith as your Redeemer, you may have the sure confidence to behold him as judge when he comes again. Thanks be to God for this wondrous birth and for this salvation which he has come to bring. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you always. Amen. Amen.